it is the pink elephant theory. If the guest wants a pink elephant, get them a pink elephant. If you can't find a pink elephant, get a horse, paint it pink, convince the guest that's an elephant. Do whatever it takes to ensure they're happy. That's it. Are they happy? And welcome back to The Pink Elephant. I am Chris Adams. Today, I have uh, probably one of the most intriguing conversations I think we're going to have. Um, and, and see, you're already kicking off with one of the best. Um, it is Cameron Hardesty is with us. And Cameron, I, I got to kick right off with this. Tell us the story of how you went from White House, where you had really no background while you were at the White House in floral to now being a part of an amazing startup that is completely focused and driven on floral. I mean, this this is an insane story and I cannot wait to hear more about it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. It's really exciting to meet you and, and chat. Um, yeah, you're right. When I joined the White House Drug Policy Office, I didn't have any floral experience, but I like to say my story kind of started in the basement of the White House. Um, so in the basement of the White House, right across from the kitchen, um, which always smells amazing, by the way, um, is the flower shop. And while I was doing drug policy communications, I took my parents on a holiday tour of the White House. This was in 2012, my first year there. And the flowers just blew me away. And I had always had a creative side. I was basically a poetry major in college, believe it or not. Um, and I liked floral design as a hobby and I wanted to learn more. So I Googled who does the White House flowers and found a Washington Post profile of Laura Dowling, who was the resident of the flower shop in the basement. So I emailed her um, a couple months later and asked if I could come in and volunteer and just learn whatever I could. And she invited me in with, with open arms. And oh, wait, I have a question. Yeah. Had she ever received an email from anyone that was already working in the White House in some completely different area that says, hey, I want to come work with you in the floor department? I mean, is, was that a first for her? I think one other person who is actually a really close friend of mine now, her name is Rosie, and she has an even more unusual background than me. She's a psychologist who was stationed in Afghanistan with the 101st Airborne, and now she's an industrial organizational psychologist who works with my parents, who are also psychologists. So um, I think just Rosie. I'm a psychologist. So we have so many uh, things that, you know, tie us together here. So I'm. these flowers must be insanely over the top impressive at the White House. We have two oh people now that have just said, screw our careers. <laughs> We're jumping into the flower business. Well, Rosie stayed a psychologist, to be fair, <laughs> but she spent a lot of evenings and weekends like gluing things together and greening vases, which is what kind of the low level entry level people like us did in the White House flower shop. Um, but yeah, the flowers are incredible. Laura would just go totally over the top for every holiday. Um, and it was a massive production. Like there would be event production companies coming in, like a hundred volunteers would help over the holidays. Um, and she, she was just so great. She was a mentor and to a lot of people. That's unbelievable. So, all right. So you, you shoot the email. She says, come on down. Yeah. How long did you then kind of, you know, stage with, with her in the, in the flower shop? I know that word now because I just finished watching the bear. <laughs> I literally just called myself out on, I'm in the hospitality industry. <laughs> I wouldn't have 
that word before the bear, but now I know. I actually threatened to stage my husband with another like husband who does a lot of chores. I was like, you're going to stage in a house where husbands do a lot of chores. But he already does a lot of chores. Um, yeah, I staged, staged with um, Laura for about a year. Okay. And then my colleague in my day job, her husband with a friend from college, started this company called Urban Stems. Um, which is a venture-backed floral e-commerce company that specializes in bouquets and gifts. And they didn't know the first thing about flowers, which they themselves would admit. Um, and they, I was the only person in their world who knew anything about floral design. So I was volunteering with them at first, and I absolutely loved it and caught the startup bug, and that turned into a job. So, all right. When you got the job at the White House in communications, was that sitting setting you on the path of what you believed at that time was, oh my God, this is my future. This is what I've wanted to do. And that was kind of your, that was a direction you'd intended to go? Well, to be honest, Chris, like, I don't know if you've had this experience in your career, but I was on this communications path. I had worked for really large financial services companies. Um, I had done crisis in corporate communications for Edelman, which is a big PR firm. And then I went to work in the drug policy office at the White House. And it wasn't, it was something I was like good at. I could do. I was an English major, but it wasn't what I was super passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was kind of looking for something. At that point, I was in my mid, late 20s and I think far enough out from college to really be questioning, like, is this going to be the rest of my life? Like, is this, is this all there is? Yeah. (laughs) And so I think I was looking for something else and flowers became it. Makes sense. Um, I, I, there's a few things that you said that really jumped out to me that I think are important for anyone that's listening, that's trying to figure out where they're supposed to be. And one is you were okay with doing something, but still realizing that maybe, maybe there's something else, right? It, you didn't feel so locked in that said, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling. This is what I have to do. And I'm just going to like trudge through it and just deal with being unhappy. Right? So you accepted and were okay with really thinking outside of the norm of what your day to day was. And the second thing that I think is incredibly important, I think it is missed you're okay with volunteering. Like, I I feel like that's such a miss nowadays where it's like the idea I get asked all the time, especially um, if it's on the beverage side where people are like, well, how do you become like a big mixologist or one of these things? And I'm like, honestly, there's not like a really a a great school, so to speak for it. We'll find the best in your city and ask them, can you volunteer one night a week to just help and watch what they do? and be their bar back or whatever. And then that'll turn into two nights. And the next thing you know, they're going to offer you a job and you get, you kind of get on the job training. And it's like, they look at me like I've got three heads, like, so they're not going to pay me. And I'm like, well, do you want to do this or not? And I think the fact that you literally just said, no, I just want to volunteer to learn is it speaks volumes of, of you as an individual and how, how far you're willing to take this. Well, thank you for saying so. I can't take all the credit. I actually had a great therapist in my 20s and early 30s um, who was kind of working with me through this transition. And he knew that I wasn't exactly where I wanted to be before this White House job. Um, And he had, I had 
thrown the idea of being a florist out. This was like, yeah, 2010, 2011. And his suggestion was, before you go all in, why don't you volunteer at a flower shop like on Sundays or whatever? I was like, oh, good idea. So when the opportunity arose to volunteer with Laura, it was just a no brainer. But it sounds like like a lot of probably professions in the hospitality industry, which I consider floristry to be basement uh, or in it. Um, there isn't really a, a school to go to. Um, you can be certified by a group called um, the American Institute of Floral Design, but most consumers aren't familiar with that certification. It's really expensive and time consuming. So most people who become florists, probably like most people who become mixologists are they they're basically apprentices and um yeah you you can't expect for someone to pay you to learn necessarily yeah it's true you can go to like school for hospitality management that kind of thing but to really learn the guts of how to do the job you got to do it i mean you you get in the grind and, and figure it out so all right so you leave there you're volunteering again at another company who is also trying to figure things out and what what happened there? You, you... Oh, by the way, just like an important financial note, because I think women often don't talk about this even more so than the general population. I always had a paying full-time job. Like this was my side hustle. This was what I did outside of my nine to five. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have a job that gave me the opportunity to have weekends um, to go volunteer. So um, I'll just say like, I wasn't in a position to just like, stop working and not volunteer for a few years doing nothing else yeah yeah so um so i'll just put that out there um but i yeah i left to go volunteer well i was volunteering at urban stems um and again one of my sort of mentors friends um really pushed me to ask to be paid at a certain point and so i did and i think um especially for women in their late you know, mid late twenties, it's not always obvious that that's something that you should do. I think people who are that age now tend to be more assertive about their boundaries and what they want. But, um, for us elder millennials, it wasn't necessarily the norm. So eventually I did ask to be paid once I knew that I was doing work that contributed to the growth of the business. Um, and that was, I think February, 2015. So I was in my white house comms job for three years. Um, and then, and then left to go be head of merchandising at Urban Stems. Wow. And you, I mean, you helped that the company grow exponentially. Yeah. Yeah. I really treated it like, um, sort of an alternative to an MBA. I went into it really knowing I wanted to start my own business on the other side. And I had truly no idea what that business would be. I didn't know if it would be in flowers or something else. And I tried to learn everything I could while really helping the business grow. And I wasn't in marketing, so I wasn't driving revenue directly in that way, but I decided everything that we would sell. So um, worked hand in hand with the marketing team to grow revenues. And when I started, we hadn't raised any institutional capital yet. I think our revenue was like below 350K a year. And when I left, we were kind of pre-series B. So... I think over a $10 million run rate. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, time. That's great. Do you, do you look back on it now? Cause it's, it's tough when you're going through it and you're dealing with the day to day, the whirlwind of it all. 
um, to, to see what you're doing, to see, to, sometimes it's tough to feel the impact and the value that you are adding to something. Is it interesting now to be able to look back and look at the actual, the numbers, the stats and be like, holy crap, like I really did something special. Like I, you know, I, I really helped accomplish something for this organization. Like, is it, do you look back and it feel different than when you were going through it? I feel it more with my own business now, because I think when you're not a founder, even though I was a really early employee and I was on the executive team at Urban Stems, ultimately it wasn't my baby. <laughs> like it wasn't, the weight wasn't really on my shoulders. Um, and I think without exposure to like the full company's financials at all times, you don't really know the full picture. Um, I think I feel more that way about Poppy because course, yeah. it came, it was an, I literally just an idea that I had. Um, and now there's this team working on this idea with me and we've been through so much. And now that we're really starting to like lock in and have success, I think that is like stunning. Like there are days when I wake up and I'm like, how, like this business is so different from where it was even a year ago. Oh, okay. There's so much to unpack with that. But first, before we go there, let's, let's let everyone understand and know, because now we've transitioned, you, you now leave, um, that organization and you decide you're going to launch your own, which is now called Poppy. So kind of take us from that. When did you make that, that decision to, tr to transition? And then where did the name come from? Like, how did that whole process happen? So that was not a clear or clean transition. I'll just say, I, when I was at Urban Stems, like right when I joined, I was really eager to add as much value as I could. And I wrote this memo to the founders before I joined, kind of identifying opportunities for the company to grow. And one of them was in the wedding category because it comprises, you know, probably like 25% of the whole industry, maybe more, um, but we weren't doing anything in it. And so this was like 2015. I was like, we should get into this. Like customers want this. They want affordability. They want convenience. And um, so I was kind of pushing for that within Urban Stems, but quickly realized it's going to take a completely different business to do this well. Um, so I kind of put that aside. And then in 2018, the company went through a really tough year. And through the course of that year, we had a layoff and that sucked. And I um, was not part of the layoff, but I could tell that my role was really going to be reduced. And I took it pretty personally. Um, I had been such a big part of the growth of the business and the strategic direction of the business. Um, and there were some decisions made that weren't mine, but that put us in a difficult position. And I felt really a little bitter, I would say. I don't think I was like at my best that year. Um, but left on good terms with the team. Almost all the co-founders had left by then. So it was a completely different executive team. And I was so burned out. <laughs> like I, instead of taking a break, I took a consulting job with very randomly the USDA. <laughs> um, I mean, that's DC, you have to remember. So like there's some kind of weird government contract available. So I did that. And I was leaving Urban Sims, sort of transitioning out, and I met this woman at a founder event um, on the rooftop of the Watergate Hotel. Uh -huh. And again, very DC. Um, and she was in a similar position. She was ready to leave the company that she was a co-founder of, 
she was a CMO and we just like really hit it off. You know, when you meet someone and you just, it's almost like falling in love, but with a friend, <laughs> um, I was married at that point. So, um, but we just like really hit it off and we decided to start a business together. And so I was leaving Urban Stems, transitioning out, randomly consulting with the USDA for like several months and starting a new business. And the business was art, art classes. Like we were going to do art classes for, they were like a cooler version of like paint and sip. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A lot that happened in this, like this, how long, what, what was that block of time? That was July to December, 2018. Okay. So like a six month span. Okay. And we were like going, I was just going crazy. Like there was too much going on. She and I went up to New York to start to meet with investors. And we had been in an argument basically about who would be CEO of this company. Keep in mind, this company had no revenue, no <laughs> investors. We had, we had incorporated, that was pretty much it. But we were already arguing about this important thing. And I think we both realized like, we're probably not the best co-founder pair. And so I was so lost. Like I was, had left this company. I loved, um, ha hadn't taken a moment to slow down and just like take stock. And a friend of mine who's a coach and is also like pretty woo woo suggested that I see a shaman who had cleared the energy from her house. She was like, Beatrice is great. Go see the shaman. So I was like, I'll do anything. So I'm like, totally burnt out. It's the middle of winter. I went to go see the shaman and I can't really put my finger on it, but I just had this like truly spiritual experience. There were no drugs involved, but it was a lot of like, like she kind of took me on this journey. I don't know how to explain it, but at the end of it, it was just crystal clear what I needed to do. And so I got on the phone with Angela, my co-founder the next day, told her that I was going to step away from the business and I basically hibernated for the rest of the winter and went on walks and cooked and walked my dogs and just took it easy. So are you and Angela still, are, are you still in love from your initial meeting at the, at the walk? Actually, yes. It took us a while to like recover and I would say several months, maybe a year, but then later in 2019, we started getting coffee again and texting and we're friends again, luckily. Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, I was so concerned about what Angela started her own company, um, went through YC, is like crushing it now. She's in San Francisco. Like, I think as much as it sucked to have that breakup, it ended up being like the best thing for both of us. You know, it's the process. And I, I think that... It, what you've talked about and the things that you went through, it's so important to understand and be okay with the process. I think so many people, we live in a world right now where everything is driven on social media. Like it's, if it's not on, so if it's not on Instagram, then, it, you know, then I don't want it kind of a thing. And everybody wants the finished product. They want to talk to you now about Poppy doing the insane numbers that you're doing, but the story of, how you had to get there. And, you know, I use the phrase all the time, failing doesn't make you a failure. And it's part of the process. And it's something I know it with my career, I had to, I had to fail at times to learn what I needed to learn to get me where I was going. 
And it's like, we live in a world now where that failing is not okay. We can't talk about it. You can't admit it. You, you can't fail because that just, and it's, it's necessary. You, you couldn't have, in my opinion, listening to your story, you would not be as well-rounded, um, mature thinking about your business and its totality if you hadn't gone through everything you went through. I feel, it's totally, it's like when you break a bone and it grows back stronger. I don't even, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if that's really. <laughs> no, you nailed it. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's like failure reveals your blind spots. And mm -hmm. so then you get, you, you see more. Mm. Like I, these things that I wouldn't have, and I can see the thread, even from times at Urban Stems where there were really big it, conflicts and failures, it helped me, it, it helped me formulate the idea for Poppy. I was like, oh, here's something that really doesn't work about this business. This is what I would do differently. Or like, here's something that is costing us a lot of money. Like how could a business in this industry operate more efficiently? Um, but then people stuff too, like really big conflicts and falling out and breaking up with your co-founder. Like all of that has taught me a lot about how to build a team. It's leadership. I mean, that's, that's truly the definition of what leadership is and going through that, giving you that foundation, um, giving you insight on how to handle those situations, um, as it comes down the line with your new business. I mean, it's, it's inform that's information that is priceless, uh, in that journey. So, all right. So you and Angela, you decide you're, you're calling it quits. You hibernate, you, you do some walking, cooking, you're just figuring things out, figuring out life. And then when does, what's the transition that happened to say, you know what, this is it I'm launching or was there something else that happened in between? Well, another thing that happened, oh my God. Sort of tested my metal. I, in March of 2019, I was pretty sure I wanted to do poppy and a couple of conversations that I had really made me sure. And one was with a friend who I was kind of vacillating and she said, you know what, if you have your health and all the stars are aligned, do it now because you never know when a family member is going to get sick or something could happen to you or circumstances change. If you have kind of like a, a blank slate, go for it. And I talked to both of my parents and my mom, especially, and she was, they're both so supportive. And my mom, who is usually very risk averse, told me to go for it. Same thing. She was like, you have the network right now. You have the insights, like go do it. And so I think hearing, especially from my mom, who's, usually very risk averse saying now is the time. I was like, okay, it's true. Let's go. And the moment I decided I got a call from my friend who had been working at a VC firm in a communications role. And it didn't seem like she was working very much, like maybe <laughs> 10 hours a week, but she was making like a quarter million dollars a year, which was more than I've ever made. And I was like, a week. <laughs> I was like, that's a great gig, but she hated it because she felt really stuck. And so she had found her new job and she was like, all right, do you want my job basically? Or do you want to interview for it? And I was like, oh, a year ago when I was like really in the trenches at Urban Stems and things were not going well, I would have jumped at this opportunity, but I feel so conflicted because I'm really ready to build my own thing. But I just was like, I better just take the interview. Like, you never know. So I did. And I'm sure they could sense my ambivalence. And I hadn't worked in communications in three and a half years at that point. Um, but I went through the motions. And they ended up going with somebody else. 
And in that time, I was like pretty sure, you know, I, I was going to go ahead with my plan. So I'm so glad that they didn't offer me that job because it would have made it a lot harder. Um, but yeah, it did kind of test my resolve. After that, I went all in on Poppy. And it's funny, like when you shift your energy, just it becomes this magnet for other people who want to be in that mode, I guess. The law of attraction. It's the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And most people, when you hear that, most people assume law of attraction is simply talking about the people, the, the human aspect. The law of attraction is based on energy in, in general, in my opinion. And what I'm going to put out is determines what's going to come back. And, and so I could not agree more with that statement. Absolutely. So it kind of started to snowball and people were getting involved and were interested in like helping me build it. I became an entrepreneur in residence with a, a deep tech VC firm in Menlo Park, which was pretty random for the industry that I was in. Yeah. But um, I was really interested in what the types of technologies that they had to offer. And so we started looking at computer vision and AI. This was in 2019 before ChatGPT, before OpenAI yeah. had pushed anything out. Um, and I spent the summer kind of exploring that with them. And coming out of that, I got my first angel investors. Um, and that really was like the shot in the arm to say like, okay, like these really smart people believe in this and want to back me and let's go. So um, I started doing my first round of fundraising then and was kind of coalescing a team and then got a, my biggest angel check, which at the time was like life changing, you know, game changing for this business. Um, it was 150K, I remember. I was It was like the biggest single check I had gotten so far. And it was from someone who's senior in the floral industry, who's been in it for 30 years, who really knows his stuff. And that enabled me to make my first hire. And all of that happened like December 2019. So I invested that money in our website, my first hire, um, and we launched in January 2020. And we were just super off to the races. Like we were booking weddings, we were, it was working, um, but it was also really stressful and chaotic because the business model of Poppy um, is working with independent floral designers in many markets. At that point, we were just in DC where we had launched. Um, and the Poppy corporate team handles all the back office kind of business side of things. So customer acquisition, sales, customer service, procurement, sending the flowers where they need to go all the intellectual property of floral design. So the recipes that underpin all of the designs that you sell to the customer. And then we work with independent floral designers to assemble the flowers and install and deliver them on the big day. But I was the only florist in the network in Q1 2020. And I was looking ahead at the peak season in Q2 and thinking like, okay, I'm gonna have to run this business as a startup CEO with one employee and also do weddings every single weekend. And then, and I was feeling like it was going to be really, really hard here. Yeah. Um, and then COVID happened and all the weddings got canceled. And um, the timing for us was kind of fine. Like we hadn't invested any money in these weddings yet. Yep. And our whole, our business model wasn't super well established yet. And we had the ability to pivot really quickly. So 2020 ended up looking really different than I had originally planned. So 
how did the name Poppy come about? Oh yeah, the name. Um, I was really struggling with the name and I went down in December, 2019 to visit our partner farms, who's a really important partner to us now. And the owner was walking us through a test greenhouse of new things that they were trying. This was in Ecuador. And one of the new plants that they were trying to grow were poppies. Um, these like beautiful Italian poppies. And in Ecuador, every flower is like a Dr. Seuss flower. Like everything grows <laughs> 10 times bigger than anywhere else because it's so close to the sun and they have year round good weather. And I saw these poppies and I'd never seen them so big and beautiful and like bright. And I just looked at it and I was like, Poppy, I think that's the name. Um, and so love that. that's it. <laughs> just, I really like the flower. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Something so simple, but it, you know, it has a story and a meaning behind it. So, <clears throat> all right, COVID happens. You decide you need to pivot, you need to adjust. Um, how much did the model of Poppy not just change for COVID and what was happening during that time, but you determine, okay, this is going to be a, a new direction that we're taking the company altogether. Honestly, I wish I could say that it was like super strategic and I had a three-year plan, but yeah. really it was, I don't like sitting still. And I, I guess like a different founder might've take taken a step back and said, okay, how do we get more floral designers in our network during this time? Or how do we do X or Y? Um, but we were really new. Like we had no credibility in the wedding industry yet. We hadn't even done a single, we'd done like one wedding. Um, and I knew how to sell flowers online cause I had just spent three and a half years doing that. Yeah. And so it kind of was, um, this, like it emerged from necessity and circumstance. I was seeing our farm partners, who I mentioned throwing away, this was like a real problem at the beginning of the pandemic for our industry, because the whole, the wholesale level of the supply chain was shutting down farms were throwing away like tons and tons of flowers and losing a lot of money. And so we decided to start selling those flowers. So they didn't have to throw them away to people who wanted to arrange flowers at home. And of course, everyone's stuck at home making sourdough, whatever else. And so a lot of people took up floral arranging and people wanted to connect with each other during that time. And so um, we started selling this like arrange your own poppy at home kit. And that really took off and ended up getting us a Today Show segment later that year and kind of like got us established, I would say. And that was most of our revenue in 2020. But I remember um, a lot of the advice that I got early on was you're going to have to focus. You really need to focus. You need to focus. You don't have all the resources in the world. You have to focus. And I didn't like fully take that on board. Like I was like, of course we can do weddings and this and that and the yeah. other. And Everything to everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 2020 and early 2021 was a really confusing time for a brand new business whose industry had completely shut down. So I was just kind of taking it as it came. Um, but in the fullness of time, I have now seen why that advice is so important and meaningful. In 2021, we started pivoting back to weddings, 
but poppy at home sales were still really strong. So if you just looked at our PL, it was not clear like which direction to go in. Like the numbers did not tell the story that I knew, which was there's a big opportunity in the wedding market and there's a lot of competition in direct to consumer e-commerce in our space. So 2021, we were not focused. We were trying to grow the weddings business, trying to grow the poppy at home business. May 2021 was, we had our record sales in poppy at home, record wedding sales. It just was not clear, you know, which direction to take, right. just numbers. Um, so I think that was a hard time because we were not focused, um, but we were trying to grow in like multiple directions. And 2022 is when I, we started winding down the poppy at home line of business. And now it's like pretty consistently just like 15K a month. We don't do anything about it. It just runs on its own. And our wedding sales are closer to like over half a million a month. So that's the focus of the business. And once we really focused in and honed in, um, it made, that's what made the difference. I love that. Um, what happened you know, as the founder, CEO, everything that you were holding, you're wearing 50 different hats during that time. How did you figure out, you know, I'm just thinking about, I went through a similar situation with my company, right? If you want to do everything and, you know, I invested money in the, in some great places and in some horrible places. Um, what did you do? How did you figure out, okay, stop, um, I need to really hone in on this specific area. Was there something that, how did you do that as a CEO of, of really forcing yourself to stop and, and get a clear picture of where you were going to go? I think, okay, so here's what I think was the trigger. I also got pregnant that year. I was pregnant that year in 2021 and I delivered my baby in October of 2021. So okay. I took maternity leave. And after about 10 weeks of maternity leave, I was like, I gotta get back to work. Like, let's, what are we doing? Let's go. And it was right before Valentine's Day. And I was still in this sort of mentality of like the split focus. And I didn't have anything on my plate because I'd been on maternity leave. I mean, work-wise yeah. <laughs> for the last 10 weeks. So to me, it was like, yeah, I'll just take this over and run with it. And so we launched a completely new product line, new delivery style, all this a month before Valentine's Day, which is the biggest retail floral holiday of the year. And we spent all this money and time and like advertising budget and all this. And it was a total flop. And I was like, that's it. We got to pull the plug like this, this, we don't have a differentiating factor in this line of business. It's super crowded. Um, we, we just have to stop. Like we have a real opportunity in weddings and we need to do what we're uniquely situated to do and good at. And so it was that again, a massive failure and huge expenditure that resulted in nothing other than a very important learning, which was focus actually does matter. So that was, that was it. It was, it was a failure. <laughs> but like maybe so, so with, with Poppy and, and how, how it runs now, um, obviously weddings are, is a focus for you. How does it impact? Um, cause explaining the model a little bit. So you work with local floral, uh, florist in different areas, correct? 
yes, we have about 500 of them in our network. How has it impacted them? Do you know, do you have any insight on how, like, because if you're an independent florist, you also have kind of your own business and you're, you're trying to figure out your way. How has what you've created impacted the lives of some of these maybe smaller florists throughout the country? Um, that's such a good question. I think breaking down the floral industry or the wedding category in particular is helpful here. So about like, about like, let's say 20% of the market is spending less than $1,500. That's not our customer. That customer is DIY or they're renting silk flowers or wood flowers or what have you. Um, it's the smallest like dollar volume segment of the market, not our customer. Then in, let's say like the top 30 metro markets, but probably top 50, um, most established independent florists cannot turn a profit with customers who are spending less than $5,000. So it's really common to set an order minimum as a florist um, once you're established, maybe like a year in or less. Mm -hmm. I don't take clients that are below 5,000. And then the more years you have in the business, the higher your order minimum becomes because you gain more skills. So what happens to those people who have $3,000 to spend, which by the way, feels like a lot to spend on flowers for most people. They don't have a lot of good options. They're going to traditional florists who rightfully don't see them as profitable because it takes a lot of administrative time to sell that customer and service them. They don't want to DIY. And so they're kind of stuck. They feel like they have a good budget to spend, but they're not getting the value that they're expecting to get from traditional florists. So when we come in with a tech-enabled process that saves hours on the administrative side of selling a customer, with the buying power of a larger business who has farm direct sourcing, um, we have the ability to make that $3,000 customer super profitable. We make the same gross margin as a traditional florist would on twice the dollar volume because of all the time we're saving in the sale process and the way we buy the flowers. So what that means is like the business we're creating for these small business owners and freelancers is accretive to the business they're already trying to do or the business they already have. And it creates like a buffer of supplemental income. We've had people tell us like, this has changed my life because it's made me, it's given me the flexibility to focus on areas that I really want to focus like floral education or becoming a farmer. Um, we have people who were never professional florists before who now are like super experienced. who have done like a hundred weddings with us and it's created a whole new income stream for them that has paid for international vacations and really cool experiences that they wouldn't have had the, the cash for otherwise. So um, I think for people who are well-established in the industry, they see this as kind of like they're like a sister company where, hey, I probably wouldn't go after that $3,000 customer, but if you're going to make it really easy for me to make money on that customer, it's a no-brainer. Sure. So I think that's where I really like where we fit into the industry. We're not crowding out or competing with these florists. We're creating new value. Yeah, a new lane. You know, I'm curious for you, um, and I think it's a combination for me of the older I get or the more mature I get, um, what's important to me um, and the things that I really value start to evolve, right, and change. And um, what did it feel like the first time that you got a random email 
Um, maybe it was sent to you directly. Maybe it was sent to, I don't know if you guys have something like an info at or like a, like just a generic that people could send. Well, what did it feel like the first time that an email came through from one of these florists that you've potentially never met before that says, Hey, I just want to say thank you. Um, you know, because you now have this, it's changed my life. Has that, has that happened with you guys or a phone call or something that, um, from one of them that was, that, that became very impactful for me when I was going through that, when I got that first that I didn't anticipate. And I was like, holy crap, man, I'm doing something way bigger and special than I realized. Absolutely. Actually, really recently this happened a couple months ago, one of our designers who I'd never met, didn't even recognize her name, emailed us and said, Hey, I just want to let you guys know. Um, I'm officially cancer free as of yesterday. I took up thinking about oh, it. God. Um, and she had to wind down her own business, but she told us that knowing she could take poppy jobs kind of like really was this like shining light for her kind of like light at the end of the tunnel. Like I can get through this because I know that I can still do this work that I love because you created this platform and it just like knocked me off my feet. And knowing that we were able to be there for someone through such a difficult time was like, it was truly stunning. And it made me think like, God, this is, it's not just the money. It's not just the growth. It's not our investors who are incredible people who have stood by us through thick and thin. It's not even just about them. It's definitely not about me. It's that we're, flowers are special. Like they touch people. When you enter the floral industry, it's really hard to leave because it's such a beautiful profession. You're with people during their highest highs and their lowest lows, and you're making something beautiful for them during that time. And I think knowing that we're able to create that for customers and for designers is, it's so special. It makes me want to do this forever. So that was like, that was really touching for me. I think it's important to remember, and I think um, you just touched on it a little bit, but um, regardless of the industry you're in, when you're doing what your purpose is and you finally discover what you're supposed to be doing in life, and if you would go back and tell me at 14 years old or 13 years old, this is what you're going to do, I would have laughed at you and been like, what are you talking about? Like, But you reach a point in life um, and I don't know if it comes with age, like I said, or maturity. <laughs> maturity, right? But when you find that moment that says, I'm where I'm supposed to be, I have figured out my purpose. Because I think when you figure out your purpose and you start doing it, you start to realize the impact your purpose has on others. Yes. And I think that becomes more, I am more obsessed with how I impact other people than I ever am about myself. I want, I am, I crave other people to win. Like, and, and I think that's come with, I found my purpose. And now when I see other people figure it out because of what we do, like it, it gives me that much more, almost like it's like a drug, right? It, it's, I, I want to do more because I see how it affects other people. And I'm so happy that you had that moment. Um, because I think it, it, it's that, second validation first is your mom this is your second validation of man i am i'm where i'm supposed to be i'm doing the right thing Absolutely. there's people on our team that with their skill set and their knowledge that they work so hard like this is such a hard-working industry 
And it's mostly women who are doing this work and it's not super valued monetarily. So knowing that I can pay a really good salary to someone with this skill set who might not even have a college education and she's a mom or a single mom or she needs that flexible work-life balance and we're able to create that, that I'm like, let's grow this business bigger so I can pay him twice as much because this is so cool. Like the fact that we can do this. I love it. All right. So closing us out, take a, take a minute here, tell people where can they, where can they find you? How do they get in touch with Poppy? Um, they, they need to be using your business and contributing. So here, here it is. The floor is yours. <laughs> so if you're looking for wedding flowers or you know someone who is, Go to our website. It's poppyflowers.com. And I got my start in this industry cold emailing the White House florist. So if you want to cold email me, it's Cameron at poppyflowers.com. Our general is hello at poppyflowers.com, but you're free to email me directly. I love it. Cameron, thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation. Um, and I think it even, it inspires me to, to continue to push and, and do more. Um, your story is amazing. And I'm so happy to see the success that's not just happened, but continuing to grow and happen for you. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thanks everyone for tuning in to The Pink Elephant. I am Chris Adams. Don't forget you can find us www.ellisadamsgroup.com or myself at chrisadams underscore EAG or at Ellis Adams official. Thanks again, Cameron. And we'll see everyone next week.